All right. I want you to notice what it says in verse 8 of Acts chapter 14. It says, And there said a certain man at Lystra, impotent his feet, being a cripple from his mother's womb who never had walked. The same heard Paul speak, who steadfastly beholding him and perceiving that he had faith to be healed, said with a loud voice, Stand upright on thy feet. And he leaped and walked. And when the people saw what Paul had done, they lifted up their voices, saying in the speech of Lyconia, The gods are come down to us in the likeness of men. And they called Barnabas Jupiter and Paul Mercurius, because he was the chief speaker. Then the priest of Jupiter, which was before their city, brought oxen and garlands under the gates and would have done sacrifice with the people, which when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard of, they rent their clothes and ran among the people crying out and saying, Sirs, why do you these things? We also are men of like passions with you and preach unto you that you should turn from these vanities under the living God, which made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all things that are therein. And we'll go back to this passage in a little bit and see what happens as a result of Paul and Barnabas not accepting the worship from these people. But I notice, folks, in this story how you know Paul and Barnabas, you know, Paul does this great miracle and how differently they were received compared to when they were in Jewish places. I mean, the Jews, they would want to stone them whenever they would heal somebody because uh, you guys have demons, you know, you guys are devils. These people, they actually responded by loving them and wanting to worship them. But, you know, that was bad, too. And the Apostle Paul, and they rent their clothes. What are they doing? They're humbling themselves, saying, we are men just like you. Do not worship us. And I think probably one of the reasons they did this, too, it might have been the chapter four earlier in the book of Acts. Remember what happened when Herod started speaking and they said it's the voice of a God and not of man? And Herod, he accepted that praise. And you know what? He was eaten of worms and he died. And isn't it interesting just how anxious people are to just worship men? I mean, it's amazing. You know, I think, you know, you would think most people realize, you know what? People are people. You know, why would we worship people? But, you know, people worship people like crazy. And the title of my message tonight is Baptist Idolatry and Man Worship. Baptist Idolatry and Man Worship. Okay, now idolatry is something that man has always struggled with. And, it, and there's something that we need to understand about idolatry is one that it takes place in many forms. Okay, It's not just us getting in front of a statue made of stone or wood and bowing down to it. That's not the only thing that idolatry is. It's not always the worshiping of graven images. Sometimes idolatry is the worshiping of men. And those of us from an American background, from a Baptist culture, we're often amazed at anyone that would worship an idol. Okay, now I don't know about you, you know, I don't have an idolatrous bone in my body, you know, as far as graven images, I didn't come from that background, I don't get freaked out by statues, and I'm, I've never been tempted to worship a statue in my life, okay? I even went and visited the Jack Hyle statue one time, and I didn't think for one second about going and praying to that statue, okay? You know, I thought, you know, hey, I love Brother Hiles, but why do they have a statue of him? You know, not cool. Okay? I think that was a big mistake. And I'll probably say a little bit about that because I think everybody would agree. In fact, I think even that crowd would agree they took the man worship too far with him. They, they really did. And in my opinion, what I would love to see happen out there, I would just love to see them say, you know what? We're thankful for Brother Hiles. We love what he did for us, but we took it a little too far, putting the graven image up. 
And they don't need to just go and like disrespectfully destroy it in some way. They don't need to have a ceremony getting rid of it. They just need to quietly just have somebody come along, some private company, and just take it away and get rid of it. I, I think that's I think that's what they ought to do. Just say we we took it too far, and they don't need to desecrate it or anything like that. That that's not necessary. I I wish they would do that. I hope eventually they do, but you know. We, we don't, we're not tempted for that. And that might be one of the reasons, too, they didn't think anything of it. Because as Baptists, we don't even think about bowing to an idol and worshiping an idol. Okay? But some cultures, they do struggle with that. But I will say, though, that in many ways, Baptists, we're sometimes just as bad as some naked savage worshiping a graven image. You know, made out of stone or wood. And I do, I believe that idolatry can be found in literally any religion, even in religions that are hardcore against idolatry. I, I really believe it can come because we as people, man is naturally idolatrous. And proof of that is the fact that pretty much every culture, no matter how far separated, no matter how different, they almost always have some form of idolatry in it. It is a very, very common practice. And so, but why are people idolatrous? Have you ever thought about that? You know, what makes people want to worship a statue? Why would anybody do that? And I personally believe the reason for that is because man instinctively knows that there is a God. It's just, it, it's, it's in us. We know that. Okay, the heavens declare the glory of God. The firmament showeth his handiwork. Day unto day utter a speech. Night unto night showeth knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Okay, Every, everybody instinctively knows that. But understand, the God that we serve is an invisible God. We can't see him, and we worship him by faith. And people would rather worship something they can see. That is why they want to worship. Gods and, and graven images. It is the opposite of faith. Hebrews 11 one says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good report. Through faith we understand that the word, um, worlds were framed by the word of God, so the things which are seen are not made of things which do appear. Everything that is in this universe that we could use to make an image of, it all came from a God who we can't see. It's all something that he spoke into existence. And y'all realize that takes faith to believe in that. And it would be easier to believe in, you know, it'd be easier to believe in some, you know, alien in outer space. Some people, uh, we don't believe in, we don't believe in creation, but we believe in intelligent design. We think aliens planted us here. Why? Because, well, we can't believe in a holy God. We can't believe in the God of the Bible. We can believe in aliens planting us here on this planet. You know, that, and that's just ridiculous. Just desperate to prove there's not a God. But we're not supposed to be a Thomas. We're not supposed to be like Thomas, who when he hears about the resurrection of Jesus, he says, I'm not going to believe it till I see it. And then Thomas sees it. And then what does he do? Then he says, my Lord, my God. And what did Jesus tell him? Tom, you know, you believe me because you've seen, but blessed are they who have not seen and yet believe. Idolatry is the opposite of faith. People want something they can look at. People want something they can see. They want something they can touch. They want something that they, they can feel. And faith, it's the opposite of that. So mankind is naturally idolatrous. And Baptists, even though it's very clear in every form of Baptist doctrine and every form of Baptists that are out there, we all know idolatry is bad. 
I think everybody knows that. So we know not to have graven images, but is every Baptist saved? No, they're not. Is every saved Baptist spiritual and not carnal? No. And so if you are, even if you're saved, if you're carnal, you might go towards idolatry. But it's going to take a different form when it comes to Baptist. And I believe with us, it tends to be in the form of worshiping and idolizing men. I believe. And so what we're going to do, we're going to look at kind of like three different you know, groups of Baptists tonight. And we're going to look at our group. We're going to save us for last. And we're going to show how all of them struggle with idolatry. We see it in some form. And if we're not careful, we can all get caught up in this if we get in the flesh. If we get in the flesh, we can be idolaters of Christians. So first, before we look at these three groups, we need to acknowledge something that we all agree in. Because there's a lot of stuff Baptists disagree on, right? You know, we're always getting in fights with Baptists and arguing with Baptists over things. But here's three things that pretty much any group of Baptists would agree with. <clears throat> whether they be you know, people like us, whether they be rucktards, whether they be Calvinists. The thing we would all agree with is that the Word of God is the final authority. Wouldn't pretty much any Baptist believe that, agree with that? We believe that Jesus Christ is the head of the church, and we believe that the Holy Spirit is to rule in our hearts and minds as believers. I think everyone would agree with that, all of us. So we've got to ask ourselves this question. Where is the physical proof that we are the one following these three things? Because while the Calvinists would claim to be doing this, while the old IFB, the dispensationalists would be claiming to do this, while people like us would be claiming to do this, where's the proof? All right. Where's the physical proof and where people often go to for their physical proof are their idols, men. Okay. Now we would all say, no, I don't go to men. I go to the Bible. Wouldn't we all say that? Wouldn't all three groups say we go to the Bible? So let me ask you, how do we know that we are actually following the Bible? You know how we know we know by faith. By faith, we're looking at the Word of God and saying, this is what we're doing. Okay? We, as our church, we do believe by faith. While we don't have Jesus here in the flesh saying, man, Liberty Baptist Church, you guys are it. You know, if I'd have wrote about you in Revelation, no rebukes. You know, you, you'd have outdone Philadelphia. I mean, you, you, know, you know, we don't have that, do we? So you know what we do? We have to believe it by faith based on what he says in his word. We believe it in our hearts based on the leading of the Holy Spirit. And you understand how all of that takes faith. But understand, while we might be fully confident based on what we were reading in the Bible, based on what uh, you know, the Holy Spirit is leading us to do, we're going to have all kinds of people from the other group saying, no, you're not doing any of that stuff. And that's exactly what we hear on a regular basis. And often, if we're not careful, we can get caught up into this idea of instead of going and competing with the Word of God, fighting their idols with our idols. And that is not right. That is not what we should be doing. And I personally think proof of who is right is, you know, who's using idols versus who's actually using the Word of God. And, and don't think our side never uses idols in the battle. Don't think that our side has ever gone into battle, gone into the debate, carrying our own idols. 
Don't think we've ne- don't think we've never done that. Let's not you know put our halos on and act like we're not guilty of any of these things. We've all done it before, and we should not do that. It's it's a bad thing. We're not supposed to do that because contending for the faith is someone every everybody you know we're supposed to do. Everyone tries to claim that they're doing it and be, you know we're the best Christians, but we're seeing in churches today. They're going to battle, not with the Word of God. They're going to battle with idols. Sometimes these idols are living men. Sometimes they are dead men. Most of the time dead men, but sometimes living men. So in the Baptist world, we're going to look at three groups. So the first group we're going to look at that I personally believe is the most idolatrous form of Baptist that you will find, and that is Calvinist. Okay? Now, every Calvinist that would hear this message would think, how dare you? That is a railing accusation. We are not, you know, I don't, well, listen, if you're worshiping man, I consider you an idolater, okay? If you are a man worshiper, you're an, you're an idolater as far as I'm concerned. And I believe the Calvinists by far ex- exceed all groups of Baptists when it comes to being idolatrous and worshiping men. I say, well, how do they do that? Well, first off, they constantly lift up dead men. You know, we want to we want to talk to these people about what the Bible says, and then what do they always want to do? They want to quote Spurgeon. They want to quote John Calvin. They want to quote Martin Luther. They want to quote all these reformers. What is it that they're constantly telling us? You know, here we are. We'll get them and preach a message from the Bible, just do scripture after scripture after scripture after scripture, and then what do they do? They want to go to church history. They want to go to church fathers. And then what do they do? They try to tell us, you know, what you all are teaching, it's brand new. Really? I got it out of my 1611 right here. Yeah, but what you're saying about it, well, you'll find out as we go and we read these commentaries by this person. We read these commentaries by all these dead guys that none of them agree with what you're saying. None of them. Well, I'm just telling you what the Bible says. And what do they do? They don't go and refute it with Scripture. They go to commentaries. You you will never find a Calvinist. You, I mean, I challenge you to go read a Calvinist book and not find just, I mean, multiple, multiple just quotes from Spurgeon and whoever. They They idolize these people. They quote these guys like we quote the Bible. And even in the old IFB, just the way they lift up Spurgeon too. And I'll talk about why they why they got they, they lift up Spurgeon. But the Calvinists, man, they take the cake on this stuff. They take great pride in the reformers. They love talking about these guys. I mean, they call themselves Calvinists after John Calvin. Okay? They, I mean, they call themselves Calvinists. Oh well, you know, it's not that we worship a man, you know. But, but you all quote the exact same five points of Calvinism. You all talk about the tulip. You know, you all are just identical, and they have no scripture for these things. And they literally call themselves they name after a man's name. Why? They're idolatrous, and they find security in the middle of their idols. What do we do? What do they do when we come to them with scripture refuting Calvinism? They surround themselves with their idols. You know, they get in their, you know, in, in their minds, you know, they've got Calvin by them, they got Luther by them, and they've got, you know, Spurgeon, they've got all these guys that are surrounded by it. You know, don't you dare say anything against my idols. And often we make the mistake, I believe, and I believe it's a mistake, of going and trying to tear down their idols. Okay? And you say, well, you, know, you say we can't say anything negative against these guys? No, but here's, here's what you got to understand. If you're talking to a Calvinist 
and all they want to do is talk about their idols, it's time to change the subject and talk about idolatry. You know, that's what you need to do. They need to get right on idolatry before they're going to get right on the doctrines of grace. Okay? You, you know, unfo- you, there's no point in talking about these other things. You need to talk to them about final authority. Okay? They, because the, while they say the word of the God's final authority, well, you got to be like, which one? With them. Because, you know, I've ne- most of them are not King James only. Most of them criticize that. Well, where do they get off criticizing them? <laughs> one of their idols. Yeah, that's, that's all there is to it. They're the most idolatrous group that's out there. They're lifting up of, de- of dead men. It's their way of connecting themselves to, and what, the, what they are, to, or, or, it's their way of connecting what they practice to something that is visible. You see, Calvinists, they love being able to find themselves somewhere in history. It's not enough for them that they can find themselves in the Word of God. It's not enough for them to just find, hey, here's our doctrine right here in the Scriptures. What do they want to do? They want to show where they've been in history. Now, understand, I'm all for studying history, and I've read a lot of stuff on Baptist history, but at the end of the day, is history inspired of God? No, it's not. You know, the Catholic Church did everything they could to destroy history, Oh, the real Bible believers. But you know what the Catholic Church never could succeed in destroying? That was the Word of God. Because that is what God promised to preserve from generation to generation. God didn't promise to preserve church history. You know, if the Lord carries is coming for another couple hundred years, God is not obligated, nor does He even need to in any way, to preserve the history of Liberty Baptist Church. God does not need the name of Tommy McMurtry to be remembered to the next generations. You know, but what He does need to make sure gets... Preserved is the writings of the Apostle Paul and the Word of God. That's what the next generation needs. That's what the next, you know, this generation needs people like me preaching the Word of God and lifting up the Word of God. But if after I'm gone and I've passed off the scene, it's really a waste of time promoting my the history of Tommy McMurtry. And that's going to get changed. What do you think history is going to say about our church? It's probably pretty similar to what the world's saying about our church right now. Listen, the victors get to write the history. And that's why you're all messed up in the Civil War or the War of Northern Aggression. Y'all are reading history written by a bunch of Yankees who had to justify the slaughtering of just thousands, thousands, thousands of Americans. So they can, and I shouldn't get off on that, but I was reading some stuff on it this week and it just got me fired up again. All right. Man, I'm ready for round two. But anyway. Uh, you know, so their 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 and their way of their lifting up of dead men, it's a way that they can connect themselves to a physical organization instead of that which is invisible. And some of the Baptist history people too sometimes get caught up in this. But uh, you know, understand, folks, that what we have we're, we're we're an independent church, and when it comes to our history, you know, there's a lot of blank spaces in there. You know, it's really hard to find a lot of things, but that's why a lot of guys are going to this reform crowd, why they're trying to connect themselves to the reformers. But if you connect yourself to the reformers, you're connected to the Catholic Church. Y'all understand that? And we have, we don't want to claim any ties to the Catholic Church. Yeah, but where's our history? Hey, the Catholics destroyed it all. Here's our history that we need to know right here. But this takes faith. 
You know, it would be nice. It'd be nice if we had another Notre Dame cathedral that was, you know, however many years old that we could go to. I was talking with Brother Daniel about it. Wouldn't it be nice if we could go to the First Baptist Church of Antioch that Paul went to? But what do you think we would do at that place? We would turn it into an idol. Whatever was going on there, we would pattern ourselves after that. And if they, go, and if they went bad, then we all go bad. So understand, God did not preserve any of those individual churches because we would have made an idol out of those things. And I, but the reform crowd, the Calvinists, that's what they're constantly looking to. Why? Because they want to be able to look at something visible. They want to be able to go to that place. They want to be like these guys. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm oh, for studying these things. You can take it too far. There's a group of fundamental Baptists, too that are just obsessed with Baptist history. And they're always taking groups of these pictures to visit the graves of these dead Baptists like Shubal Stearns and all guys like that. And they're always getting their pictures taken by the tombstones like this. <laughs> they always got like a real serious look in their face, you know, because ah, it's like you're at a grave. Should you smile at a grave? But they always got this, you know, just real serious, solemn look in their face. It's so dumb look- looking. And they do. And then they go around some of these preachers. They go from church to church preaching about these guys. And listen, if you want to do that for a history class, you know, that's fine. But let's preach the word of God in church. And why are they doing that? Because more and more people are saying, you people are off the rails. You people aren't following the word of God. You know, we've got the history. And what are they doing? They're trying to fight their idols with our idols. Oh, yeah, well, you guys got John Collins. Oh, we got Shubal Stearns. We got Obad- Obadiah Holmes. You know, we've got, and what are they doing? They're lifting up their idols. Let's take our, you know, how about we just use this? How about we just use that? And I'm not about getting caught up in that, but that is why so many are going the reform route. Because they do, they like being connected to something that's big. They like being connected to something that's got a lot of history. But that is idolatry and listen following men is carnality at its finest and while and 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 many of these people just are not saved and now look what it says in first corinthians 3 now understand a saved person can be idolatrous a saved person can get caught up in man worship but understand if they do is because they are very carnal It is because they are a babe in christ now, this is why I don't believe most of these Calvinists are saved. If you're somebody who's supposedly been saved for years and years and studied the Word of God for years and years like they like to brag about how they have, and yet you are still constantly lifting up these men as idols, I don't think you're saved. Now, if you're a new Christian, I could see you doing that. But look what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 3, 1, And I, brethren, cannot speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal even as unto babes in Christ. So is he saying these people aren't saved? No, he's saying they're, you're babes in Christ. Why? Because they're carnal. They're fleshly. He said, I have fed you with milk and not with meat. For hitherto ye are not able to hear it, neither yet now are ye able. For ye are yet carnal. For whereas among you envying and strife and division, are ye not carnal and walk as men? So they're carnal because they're fighting with each other. You know, they're bickering like little kids. Okay, but what are they bickering over? What are they fighting over? For while one saith, I am of Paul, and another, I am of Apollos, are ye not carnal? Who then is Paul and who is Apollos, but ministers by whom ye believed, even as the Lord gave to every man? So why are they carnal? Because they're trying to identify themselves with men. You know what Paul said? You're babes in Christ for doing that. 
And anybody who's claiming these religions based off of men, calling themselves a Calvinist, calling themselves a Lutheran or a Wesleyan or Wesleyan Methodist or something like that, you're carnal. And then when you're going to go and you're going to prove that you're right, not based on the scripture, but based on your church history, based on your Baptist confession of 1689 or whatever, whatever that is, you are carnal when you do that kind of thing. And if you're somebody who's been saved for decades and who's just read extensively and done all this study and you're still identifying yourself with these people, I'm just going to think I'm just going to I'm going to treat that person as unsaved. They could be just somebody who's carnal and has been a babe in Christ for years. They have a severe, you know, disab- you know, learning disability as a Christian. They could, but I'm going to treat them as a lost person. And that's why I consider pretty much any Calvinist to be lost. I, I, I just do. I, I don't believe, I, I'm sure there's exceptions that are out there, but I think it's a very rare thing. I'm going to treat them all as lost. If I run into one out soul winning, I'm going to treat him as though he's lost. I'm going to try to get him saved. And you can get offended by that. That's fine. But so this is, this is a common problem for baby Christians. But I don't, I don't, I just, I'm just not buying it with somebody who's been saved for years. You've been saved for years and all you want to do is talk about men. You're, you're, there's something very wrong. And you know, as the old IFB would say when they're trying to get their church saved, there's something wrong with you. We've got a verse of invitation coming for you. So you can get that right and come get come get saved again. But anyway, turn to Matthew chapter three. So that's the Calvinists, and I, I like the Calvinists, the Reformed Baptists, people like that. And while I believe they're the worst when it comes to being idolatrous, they're not alone. Okay, they're not alone. There is no exception to this with what I'm going to call the hashtag Old Paths Baptist. Okay, the hashtag Old Paths Baptist. Now, I call them the hashtag Old Paths Baptist because, one, if you're on Twitter, you know, you know they're constantly hashtagging Old Paths this. And I hate that because I like the term Old Paths. I consider myself Old Paths, but, man, I am not hashtag Old Paths. And there's a difference, all right? I, I'm Old Paths, but I'm not hashtag Old Paths. And, you know, and I am hashtag Old Paths in a lot of ways. You know, if you sing the hymns, that's hashtag Old Paths, all right? We sing the hymns here. But the thing is, these guys... They do. They take it to a dangerously idolatrous level that is very disturbing. Okay, and, and there's not a ton of difference between them and the Calvinists, except their idols just aren't as dead as the Calvinist idols. Okay, what, what do you mean by that? Well, the Calvinist idols have just been dead longer. Okay, you know the Calvinist idols—they've been dead for hundreds of years. You know where the hashtag old past idols have been dead for you know 30, 40, 50 years, 100 years. You know they're not—they're not as rotting. Rotted yet, you know, but they're just, they're still just as dead. All right, that, that's really the only difference. Look what it says in Matthew chapter three, and verse seven it says, "But when they saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees come to his baptism, he said unto them, O generation of vipers, who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bring forth therefore fruits meet for repentance." What's this Baptist doing, yelling in our face, telling us we need to repent? Well, listen to how they school John the Baptist here. And he just he just calls it out. He says, "And think not to say it in yourselves, we have Abraham to our father." And isn't that exactly what they were thinking? Didn't they bring that up with Jesus? Okay. For I say to you, God is able these stones to raise up children unto Abraham. These guys had declared themselves the followers of Abraham. So when John the Baptist comes along and he calls them out, what do they do? We are Abraham's children. 
But John the Baptist called him out. Man, God can, of these stones raise up children unto Abraham. You think you're something because you descend from Abraham? You're nothing. And what do we see going on today when we want to call out the old IFB for some of the junk that's going on? They have declared themselves, you know, the successors to Jack Hiles. They have declared themselves the, the successors to J, Dr. J. Frank Norris and John R. Rice and Oliver B. Green. And hey, man, all, all these great men, all the hashtag old pathers, they have just declared themselves that. They, you know, th- now, first off, they're not that, okay? They're not following these guys' footsteps. These men are compromised. Okay? They're, they're, not, they're not doing what these guys did, but they have declared themselves as that. And when you do, when you come along and you try to call them out, what, they invoke the dead men. And uh, Keith Gomez, he says it all the time. You know, he's like, I, 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 like hopefully I can put this right. But, you know, it's like wherever I'm heading, I know I'm heading in the right direction as long as in my rearview mirror, you know, I can see, you know, Jack Hiles and Lester Roloff and, you know, he'll start naming all the names as long as you can see them. What's he doing? I know I'm right because I can see those guys in my rearview mirror. How does that prove anything? How about you use the Bible to prove it? I promise in pretty much any Keith Gomez message you're going to hear, you will hear more references to the hashtag old paths crowd, to the men of God crowd, then you will Bible references. Guarantee it. When I talked to him about end times, when he confronted me about here and I got mixed up in the mid-trib doctrine, I'm quoting him scripture after scripture after scripture. And you know what he kept quoting? Jack Hiles, Oliver B. Green. He kept bringing up all the names. He kept telling me, you know, I'm going to have to dig up these guys and tell them that you all got it wrong. And two by squirt time, he got it right. That's, that's what he told me. And then, you know, first thing he said, you've been listening to Steven Anderson? Why? Well, because obviously, you know, if he got his doctrine from idols, then I probably got mine from an idol too. You know what he's doing? He's judging me as he is in his own heart. He's thinking I'm doing things exactly like him. didn't matter that I'm quoting scripture after scripture after scripture to him. And that he's only quoting men, men, men. It didn't matter to him, and these people can't see it, but you know what? I can't get through to him because he's surrounded by idols that have a great big pre-trib stamp on So he feels safe. And that's not right. We're supposed to be following what the Word of God. So they can't, they can't defend their doctrine with Scripture, but they all defend their doctrine from the legacies of men from the 19th and 20th centuries. And here's why it's easy to follow these men. Here's where one area where I would be a little more impressed with the Calvinist than I am the hashtag old paths crowd. Many of the men that the Calvinists lived up were men who died martyrs' deaths, you know, who suffered a lot of persecution of their own. The ones that the hashtag old paths crowd lifts up were men who were very popular and very well loved. Billy Sunday. Well, you know what? That guy could draw a crowd. Uh, even Charles Spurgeon. You know, the hashtag old paths crowd isn't Calvinist. And they try to act like Charles Spurgeon, you know, who wrote books defending Calvinism. They try to act like he wasn't Calvinist. But they, they even, why? Charles Spurgeon was very loved, very popular. John R. Rice, that man could bring in a crowd. Jack Hiles could bring in a massive crowd. And I'm not saying that these guys were bad because they had big crowds. Some of these guys were good guys, but ultimately the reason they lift them up is because they could draw in a crowd. Because they were big names, and that's what they want. I want to be on the big stage. I want to have the big following. 
I want to be like these guys. And so they have, they have all tried to pattern everything after guys who were popular, who were big names, not people who were persecuted, not people who suffered. And understand that big name crowd is the crowd that put us in the mentality that the wrath of God is tribulation. That Christians being persecuted is the wrath of God. That's that, that's that, that generation is what gave that mentality. And so whenever that crowd today sees people like us being persecuted by the world, they think something's wrong with us. Because they can't see the verse that says, Yea, and all the love of God in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. They, it's like they haven't seen the verses where it talks about how Jesus said, you know, that the world's going to hate you. If they hate, if they hate me, they're going to hate you. And the truth is, it's not even you they hate. It's Lord that they hate. That crowd also now, because once again, they want to be in his, they want to be in the history books. They want to be somebody else's idol growing up. So now they are even to the point where they are even lifting up Billy Graham. Now, why are they lifting up Billy Graham? I'll tell you why. Because Billy Graham history is smiling on him, isn't it? Billy Graham is, was honored. All the presidents honoring Billy Graham when he died. They put his body in the Capitol Rotunda. I mean, loved by everyone, even though I grew, when I was growing up, they, they were all preaching against him. Everybody called him Billy Balaam. I mean, the, the guy, I mean, Balaam was just a perfect picture of Billy Graham. They, I mean, they went off on him for being a compromiser. I mean, many of them said that they thought he was saved, but just compromised. But a lot of them said, I don't even think, they, they didn't even think he was saved. The debate was whether he was saved or not, whether he was a good guy or not. There was no debate at all. He was a sellout. He was a Balaam. It's just like people often question, was Balaam saved in the Bible? You know, it's kind of, there's kind of a debate there. It was the same thing with Billy Graham. Why? Because him and Balaam, man, they had a whole lot in common. Now they're lifting him up. Why? Because history smiles on the man. So understand, he's now one of their idols. John Hamlin wrote a book, Get Thee Under the Great Men. Talking about the big guys, the big names. These are the guys that we've got to look to. We've got to get this younger generation looking at our idols. You know, instead of looking at these, you know, queer little skinny jean trendy idols, we got to look at them at our hashtag old paz idols that are better. You know, they shouldn't be looking at either idol. Okay? Yeah, I'd rather look at the hashtag old paz idols too, but man, neither of them, right? No, let's actually look at what the Bible says. And when, you know, when uh, John the Hamlin preaches that too, he's completely misusing the scripture in Jeremiah 5 5. says, I will get me unto the great men and will speak unto them. For they have known the way of the Lord. Man, those great men, man, they knew the way of the Lord. Boy, they knew the Word of God. I mean, you know, Brother Tommy, you know, Jack Hiles and Lester Oliver B. Green, he forgot more Bible than you'll ever know. That's what I've been told. You know, but, you know, but those, let's keep reading. But these have all together broken the yoke and burst the bonds. You go and read that whole story. He didn't get the answers from them either. That, that wasn't where it was at either. John the Hamlin forgets to look at that when he's preaching. And he's been corrected on that. He's been corrected on it, but he's still preaching it. He, ended, he put it into a book. Get thee under the great men. You know, fought, 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 we've got to get this younger generation following our idols. No, how about we preach the Word? How about we give them the Word of God? But no, they can't defend their doctrine, so they prop up these names. They start name-dropping 
you go to any old paths meeting, any meeting that's got old paths in it, and just start counting the name drops. Start going on. There's going to be name dropping, name dropping. You know what all those name drop, guys whose name they drop are going to have in common? They all were big names with big followings. That's what they're all going to have in common. And they're all going to be dead, too. Once again, following, following dead men. So, you know, every, in every hashtag Old Paz meeting, every hashtag Old Paz church, you know what they've got hanging up in their church? They've got pictures of hashtag Old Paz preachers. You go to Providence Baptist College, they got a whole wall. Great big pictures of these guys. You go into their church at Northwest, they've got a whole wall. Just great big pictures of all these hashtag Old Paz guys. We've been in some churches before. When we went on our honeymoon, they had a great big picture of Jack Hiles in the church. And he wasn't even the pastor there. And now, right before we started this church, we visited a church. And you go walking into the church, and right there in the foyer was a great big picture of the pastor and his wife. And we just both like saw it. And just it was one of those things where it was like something just didn't set right. And, we, and I remember I told her, I was like, you know what? When we start our church, we're not putting a picture of us up in the foyer. That's just weird. All right. And, but what, why are they doing that? Why? Because these pastors who worship idols, they have a goal of one day being the idol. So let's start prepping the people right now. You know, let's get a picture. You know, I said, we're, most people know they're pushing it with the graven image. Okay. Most people know they're pushing it with the graven image, but, you know, a picture, that's okay. All right. You know, that, that, that's all right. But, folks, it's, it, it's idolatrous. So, Often, you know, other idolatrous people often feel the need to carry on the legacy of the great men or to destroy the legacy of the great men. See, there's other people that are out there. They're constantly see, like, so you've got the one crowd that's out there constantly name dropping Hiles, constantly lifting him up, you know, refuting the Bible with something. With but then you've got the other crowd that's always trying to tear him down, too. Wanting to go to the rumors, trying to destroy the legacy. Now, why are these people doing that? You know what? Because they're also idolatrous people. And they're thinking, if I can take down their idol, maybe they'll listen to my idol. But at the end of the day, what does that change? Okay, Because most of the time when I see Jack Hiles getting attacked, it's for stuff he had right. And most of the people attacking him are people who hated doctrines that he had right. But they feel like, I can defeat you know, this doctrine by, you know, proving some rumor uh, about Hiles. Why? Because they're an idolatrous person too. And idolatrous people like to fight idols with idols. And that's not how it works. That's not what we're going to do. And so, you know, when people people try to throw Jack Hiles in my face when I'm arguing doctrine, I just know I'm talking to an idolater. You know, I got to start from square one. I got to go to the Ten Commandments. Like, all right, you know, let's not talk about the rapture right now. Let's talk about thou shalt not make any any graven images or any likeness. You know, let's, let's talk. Let's go back to idolatry. You know, little children follow that, or keep keep thyself from idols. But you know, you say, well, Pastor, some of you, I've seen you piles of people's face before too. And you know what? I have. I have. You say, well, are you are you confessing a sin and doing that? No, I'm using one of Paul's methods to get a point across. All right, look, look at Acts chapter 17. All right, look at Acts chapter 17. You know, I, I have uploaded, and, and, and I hope, you know, I said, I'm not, I'm not trying to put down any of these hashtag old past great men. I'm not trying to put them down. I'm just saying these guys shouldn't even be 
pawns in our little game here, all right? We shouldn't be using the, these little idols like chess pieces in, in our doctrinal disputes. But in Acts 17.22 says, Then Paul stood in the midst of Mars Hills and said, Ye men of Athens, I perceive that in all things ye are too superstitious, for as I passed by and beheld your devotions, I found an altar with this inscription, To the unknown God, whom therefore ye ignorantly worship, him declare I unto you, God that made the world and all things therein, seeing that he is Lord of heaven and earth, dwelleth not in temples made with hands. So notice how when Paul's talking to an idolatrous people, you know what he did? He used, they've got one spot there where there's no idols that just says to the unknown God. And you know what Paul's doing? He's kind of using one of their things that they believed in to show them or to illustrate where they were wrong. And so one of the things that I've done with Jack Howe is people who want to throw him in my face, like Keith Gomez with dispensationalism, I like using clips of Jack Howe's ripping on dispensationalism. Why? To show him to use his idol to show that, hey, you're not even following your idol. That's what I, that's what I do. That's what I'm doing. I'm showing that you're not even following your own idol. You stink, all right? You have no consistency. You're not right. I, that doesn't prove anything. And listen, I, some of the clips that, I, that I've shared and that I've seen, what he is saying is right. But the fact that it's Jack Hiles doesn't prove that it's right. It's right because it was, he was preaching the Scripture. That's why it was right. Okay, I use it because it matters to them, but does it matter to me? Not at all. I don't need it. It could be, it could be anyone saying it because the word of God is what we're actually supposed to follow. So, so at the, at the end of the day, I'm thankful for, you know, all the things that people like Jack Hyle stood for at, where he was right. And I like, I love what he contributed to fundamentalism. I think he did a lot of good stuff, but I don't need him. I have the word of God. He's dead. The word of God is still living. So Jesus Christ, the Holy spirit, they're still in act. They're still in action, they're still in office. So where he agreed with them, with them, I agree with him. Where he disagreed with them, I disagree with him. How dare you? You'll, you're not worthy to touch the hem of his garment. Well, I'm not worthy to touch the hem of Jesus' garment either. So I'm going to follow him. I, I, I don't need that because I'm not an idolater. So that's the hashtag old path crowd. And lastly, let's talk about our crowd for a little bit. You know, my, this is big in my generation too. You know, we mainly have idols who are not dead, okay, but are dying men. Okay, understand if your idol is someone who's living, he might not be a dead man like the hashtag old pass crowd or the Calvinist crowd, but it's a dying man just the same. And that's not really a good idea. Look what it says in first. We, we looked at it before, but go there again. First Corinthians three, five, and six. After he's rebuking him for being carnal, striding, he says, "Who then is Paul, and who is Apollos? But ministers by whom ye believed, even as the Lord gave to every man. I have planted Apollos watered, but God gave the increase." Listen, why do we? Why do so many people follow men? And I, I got to be careful with this too. You know, in in the new IFB world, there's a lot of new Christians that most of their teaching is online. They're not in real churches. And so I got to be careful because I don't want to rebuke these people too hard and discourage them when they're like brand new baby Christians. But at the same time, 
When you're a brand new baby Christian, you are very likely to be idolatrous because it is a very carnal thing to be idolatrous. And so you got to watch it with these people. All right. Those of you that just watch online, I'm trying to help you right now. Not trying to be mean. I'm trying to help you. But it is easier to follow the loud voice of a charismatic personality than it is to listen to the still small voice of the Holy Spirit. It's, it takes faith to listen to the still small voice of the Holy Spirit. It's easier to have a living, breathing, highly respected preacher tell you what you ought to think than it is to figure it out for yourself. Isn't it easier? And that's why, too, you know, and I'm all for asking questions, all right? You all ought to ask questions, you know, because we're trying to learn. But it's like some people have this attitude, just tell me what to do. Just tell me what to think. And that's why, too, every time someone dies, every time someone's bad, you know, Brother Tommy, do you even think so-and-so saved? What is that? You know, you know, you know, do you think Kobe Bryant saved or was saved? What does that have to do with the price of beans? All right? I mean, what, why does that even matter? You know, you know, do you think, do you, you know, then it's fine. Do you think he was reprobate? That's always the second question. You know, if they're not, if they're not saved, you know, now why, why are they doing this? Because they're trying to figure out how to act about it. They're trying to figure out how to respond and they don't know how to respond. So in their carnal mind, as a baby Christian, the way things work in their little robot minds, it doesn't have a whole lot programmed in there yet. All right, if Pastor Tommy says Kobe Bryant wasn't saved, you know, then I can do a post. You know, Kobe Bryant is roasting in hell. All right, you know. If, if Pastor Tommy says, no, Kobe Bryant, he was a reprobate, then I can say, I am glad Kobe Bryant's dead. I'm glad he's roasting in hell right now. I mean, because they're trying to figure out how to respond. That's why they ask these questions. You know, that's why they're always asking a lot of the questions. You know, is this a sin? Is that a sin? They need somebody to tell them. They need somebody to just lay it out and explain because they don't know how to think for themselves. They're like babies. They're little babies, and many times they're just carnal, and they've got to constantly have somebody tell them what to do. That's why they're always looking for these little rules. You know, if somebody makes over this much money as a preacher, are they a false prophet? You know, like everything's just got to be just black and white. You know, I mean, you know, exactly how many centimeters, you know, above or below the knee does my wife's skirt need to go? You know, they, they can't follow the spirit of anything. You know, what, what exactly are the requirements? You know, I mean, the Bible says having children in subjection. I heard the pastors, you know, a child tell his dad no and go running off. You know, I mean, just, you know, they're, they're, they're always just looking for that thing. They're looking for that rule. They're looking for a little, you know, box that they can create where they can put a check mark. Why? Because they don't know how to think. They don't know how to respond to anything. And they want one of us to tell them. And then these same people, too, they don't know what to do when one pastor in the new IFB preaches something one way. And then another pastor comes along and preaches something. Well, we got a contradiction here. What what are we going to do? It's like they found a contradiction between Matthew and Mark. What are we going to do with this? Oh, man, one pastor. You know, and then they're trying to figure and they're asking all the pastors, you know, what's going on? You know what's going on? You're idolatrous and you're getting confused because you got too many idols. How about you get rid of them? How about you just learn what you can?
wherever you can and just follow the word of God. How about you learn how to stand on your own two feet and figure some things out for yourself? How about you just learn how to respond to things based on how the Holy Spirit is leading you to respond? I mean, is the Holy Spirit really leading you at this moment to say right now, man, I'm glad Kobe Bryant is roasting in hell. You know, is that is the Holy Spirit really leading you to do that right now? You know, are you really that anxious to see everybody die? You know, I mean, just, you know, I, I, shouldn't, I shouldn't pick on some of these people. They might just be babes in Christ. But, you know, technically, you know, if, if my, my mom's dead, she's in hell now. So technically, she can't get saved. She's reprobate. So should I be glad my mom's in hell? Should I even go to her funeral? If now she, I, just, I mean, that's the kind of stuff that we see. And they got to ask these questions. They think, people, you've got to either get saved or you've got to start growing up. You start better start getting some spiritualness in you and learn how to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. Learn how to go to the Bible to figure things out for yourself. You know, these same people too, man, they do. They get so bent out. I mean, Pastor Anderson, he contradicts himself. And what happens, man? A whole split in the new IFB. I mean, what in the world? It's like the Word of God. And everybody's just, what are we supposed to do? You know, how are we supposed to respond to this? Our idol contradicted himself. You know, you just don't have an idol. Yes, sir. You know, how about you just compare what the Word of God says? Every man is going to get things wrong. And yet, boy, these people do, man. They, they scrutinize some of these preachers as though they were deity. As though their words were the Word of God. And then what they do? They're constantly making clips, showing these preachers. Oh man, he said this one day. He said this another day. You know, man, he's, he's what's going on? What's happening here? What's that? What's I tell you? Your world's falling apart because you're found out your idol isn't deity. That's what's falling apart. Get over yourself. Start just learning what they if they they teach something right, take it. Be like the Bereans. Search the scriptures to see if those things are so. And if it's so, follow it. If they get something wrong, don't follow it. But at the end of the day, remember that every one of these preachers, they're just a man. But you know, when people find out, when, when people find out that they're not going to get what they want from out, because here, at the end of the day, here's what it comes down to. And I've seen this over and over again with myself. I've seen it with some of the other pastors where you have these people that come along. They're on YouTube all the time. All of a sudden, they just come out of nowhere. It's always some YouTube name that, you know, it's not a real person. And what do they do? They come on and they just start flattering the daylights out of you. Now, what are they doing? I'll tell you exactly what they're doing. Now, here's why a lot of people make idols. That's their way of making God in the image that they want him to be in. So often people do the same thing. They come into churches. I need an idol. Pastor Tommy, you're the pastor. I want you to be the idol. So they start flattering me. What are they? They're trying to mold me. And they, Pastor Tommy, you know, you... You know, you get everything right. You know, you're, you're not like some of these other preachers. You know, I like how, you know, you're not as mean to this group and you don't do this. And what, what are they trying to do? They're trying to form me. They're trying to mold me into what they want me to be is what they're doing. They do with some of these other pastors. They build them up. They talk them up. They say all these things about them. And then as soon as they finally figure out, you know what, this guy is not going to form into what I want him to be. You know what they do? They do like they did with Paul and Barnabas. We're not going to take time to read the rest of the story. But these people who wanted to worship them, after they would not accept the worship, 
after they would not let them make them their gods, you know what they did? They stoned them. And isn't that what always happens? That's why you've got all these trash canners out there constantly making videos against pastors in this movement. Why? They were, you know, I used to be a cult follower. I used to think he was this. I used to think I did everything. But you know what happened? Finally, that pastor, he didn't give them what they wanted. He wouldn't let them mold him into what they wanted him to be. And once they figured out, you know what, I'm not going to get what I want from this guy. You know what they do? They get out and then they start bashing him. You know, they're, they're, they're stoning him, figuratively speaking. That's exactly what they're doing. We, we see that constantly in, in this movement. Why? Because these are idolatrous people is what they are. And I wish I could tell you, you'll never find any idolatry in the new IFB, but it is all over the place. Not because of, not because of the preachers. A lot of it, it's, it's the followers. And you know what? They need to be corrected on these things. We don't want any idolaters in this church. I mean, we had that happen. Somebody came here. I wasn't fitting the mold of Pastor Anderson enough. And what do they do? You know, they write a letter tattling on me to the Pope. Now, I didn't, I, I didn't tell everybody. I did get kind of an apology letter. Basically, it was more of a I forgive you letter. I was forgiven. <laughs> I, I was. I was. It was basically, I'm sorry, but it was a, lot, a whole lot more of I basically forgiving you. I, I forgive you for not being enough like Pastor Anderson. And I'm just like, I, I did okay. If you were forgiving me for not being enough like Christ, I can see where that's a transgression right there. But really, like like another man, okay, that's idolatry. That that's that's carnality, and we don't want that in our church. And people are gonna they're gonna come through here, and I'm not gonna be everything they want me to be. The 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 people who come in talking me up the biggest are gonna be the ones talking the nastiest about me later on. Why? Because they're, they're talking me up. That's their way of molding me into the God that they want me to be, into the image that they want. And they will be the first to cast stones. Mark it down. Mark it down. That's why, that's why I hate flattery. And we need to make sure that we watch out for this stuff and that we don't get caught up in it because God's not going to share the stage with anybody. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not make any, any graven image or any likeness. And he likes, and that, that's what they're, that's what people are doing with this. So we've got to understand that idolatry, we think we're safe because there's no statues around here. You know, we think we're safe if we don't have any statues in our house. That doesn't mean we're not going to struggle with idolatry and that we don't get idolatrous. We very well could do that if we're not careful. It is a very, it's in the very nature of man to be idolatrous. This is just our American way of doing it. America today, they worship celebrities. They worship people that they watch on a screen. And people, because they watch preachers on a screen, they think they're a big deal. But folks, it's YouTube. Anybody can get a YouTube channel. Okay. It's not even a bit. I'm not saying, you know, people in Hollywood, you know, they deserve a little bit of, you know, because they at least have to go through. A lot. No, you know, they don't deserve it, but we really don't deserve it. It's, it's not a big deal, but it's, it, that is our culture. This is this is how our culture struggles with idolatry and we need to not have any part of it. So with that, let's pray. Dear Lord, I thank you so much. 
pour your goodness to us. And I pray, Lord, you'll help us to learn from these things. I pray you'll help us not to be this way. Help us to, but to be people of faith that are able to just rest in the fact that we have the Scriptures and that we have the Holy Spirit inside of us leading us into all truth and that you'll help us to uh, be spiritual people, learn how to think for ourselves and learn how to, to follow after you. And we won't be... Uh, the carnal babes in Christ who just never grow up. We won't be like some of these idolaters that are out there. In your name we pray. Amen.